It's all right. Well, let's get into the Word today, huh? I'm excited about that. So, you know, I've been on the Names of God series, and, um, you know, I woke up Monday. I just had clarity, absolute clarity of what to preach. Like, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'll take that. Amen. Like, I don't have to sit here and, and pray about how Jesus just started speaking on Monday of what to preach about. So we're changing a little bit. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through a name of God this morning, um, but I feel like it's Holy Spirit driven this morning. Um, how many of you have siblings? Okay, almost everybody, right? Now give me an amen if you are the firstborn of a sibling. Amen. Okay, that's quite a few of you guys that are the firstborn. All right. I like that. That's good. Um, I have a picture up here. I am the oldest of five. So I have a picture up here. That is, that is my brothers and sisters. One, two of them have been to church before. You guys probably met them. Cody's coming. He'll be here. Event. He's living in Post Falls now. And so that is, that is us when we were little. I have another picture of us when we were a little bit older. It's a lot of, lot of kids involved with that one, not even all of them. But that's us when we're little. You will notice in this picture, I want to point this out. I, Tiana, Cody's wife, and I are the only ones looking at the camera. Do you guys see that? Like, I saw this picture. I'm like, we are the only ones that are looking at this camera when this photo was taken, right? Crazy, crazy. Anyway, it has taken a lot to keep this crew in line, okay? Uh, it just has. I'm five years older than Cody. I'm two years older than my sister. This, this morning, we're going to talk about the firstborn. And so, I just want you to know, I have some statistics about firstborns. Now, I found these on the internet, so everything we find on the internet is true, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and don't take any of these too serious. This is meant to be lighthearted. But here are some numbers about, about firstborns this morning. So everybody that said amen, you stand with me. In 2007, a study showed a correlation between IQ and birth order. The more older siblings one has, the lower one's IQ. Sorry. Sorry. Because firstborns follow their parents' lead and they don't have an older sibling it makes, to make fun of them, they, they like taking charge and have more confidence. Additionally, parents are more likely to praise every firstborn's first milestone. Anybody experience that? That's pretty common, right? Which can lead to more confidence. And my sibling would say that that is absolute arrogance, right? That's what my brothers and sisters would tell me. Newscasters, TV talk show hosts, tend to be firstborns and only children. Prominent examples are Peter Jennings, Oprah Winfrey, Geraldo Rivera, Rush Limbaugh. And my brothers and sisters would tell you that's because we never shut up. We're always talking. We're always talking. Firstborns are more likely to make at least $100,000 more annually than their siblings. So you now you know who to hit up when you need money, Right? Last one, the Southern, a Southern California Child Study Center finds bossiness to be more prevalent in firstborns. And the truth is, if y'all would just listen the first time, I have to boss you around so much, right? It's the way that works. Don't worry, I found plenty of negatives about firstborns, but I'm not going to be sharing that today. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Yes, because I'm firstborn. You might be asking me, Steve, what in the world are you talking? What's your point? The, the title of this sermon... Uh, that I have for you this morning is the story of two sons. The story of two sons. Colossians 1.18 says this, talking about Jesus. And it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. So what does that mean for you and I? Well, if you are a believer in Jesus and you are following Jesus and you are born again and saved this morning, you will one day be resurrected. Amen? Excited about that. That's good news, right? Jesus being resurrected first is the firstborn of the dead. He was resurrected first. Everybody understands that. Now, the important thing about that is, is that the firstborn isn't just like the position that they were born in. Okay? So firstborn really is more of a title or a rank. Let me, let me read you this. I found this in my Bible commentary, and I thought this was, this was good. It's the, it's the birthright. It says this, Right or privilege belonging to the firstborn son in a Hebrew family. The birthright means not only the honor of family leadership, but also an inheritance of twice the amount received by every other son. So you find this in Scripture. That's in Scripture, right? In polygamous Israelite society, the birthright belonged to the, the actual firstborn of the father and could not be transferred to a son of a favorite wife. wife. Now, check this out because this is important to what we're talking about today. Without just cause. So you go back, and we're not going to do that today, but in the Old Testament, you read about the, the firstborn, and you have this understanding that the, the dad couldn't just decide, well, never mind, I'm going to give it to this, this guy, because I like him better, without just cause. So there has to be cause. We, we see this explained in the book, book of Deuteronomy. So this is, this is why this is so important to understand this, this firstborn of the dead phrase that's given to Jesus. It gives him the authority that he rightly deserves. Now, some people might wonder, why does Jesus have authority? Well, listen, he's the firstborn of the dead. That is his rank. He is the head of the church. He is preeminent in all things. Now, some people might not like that, but that is the way it is according to the standard that God set up, which is the only standard that matters. Right? That's it. The only standard that matters is God's. Now, let me read this word preeminence to you, or preeminent, and how it's defined. It's this. Having paramount rank, dignity, or importance. Having paramount rank, dignity, or importance. The birthright was much, it was much more than just the position you were born in. It was the rank or title you were given by your father. So this morning, I want to go back a little bit. I want, to, I want to go old school, right? Like not 70s, 80s, or as much as this pains me, even 90s. Because if you go to the oldie station, you know they play 90s music now. That hurts me. That really hurts me. But I want to go back like 4,000 years ago and talk about this birthright. I want to, I want to go back and, and talk about Jacob and Esau. Now, let me give you a little his, history behind it. A guy named Abraham was born. A man of great faith, called by God, given promises to be a great nation, a blessing to the, to the nations, fulfilled through Jesus Christ, right? He has a son named Isaac, who then has, has two sons named Jacob and Esau. They're twins. Esau is born first. Therefore, he carries the, go ahead and say it, birthright. 
the birthright, right? He carries the birthright. So that's why this is so important, what I'm about to read to you in Genesis 25, verse 29. It says this. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, that's little brother, Esau came in from the field and was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau was a much better brother than I was at this point because I would have beat him up and taken it. That's just how I would have been. Verse 32, Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is my birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, don't despise your birthright. Don't despise your birthright. Now, I have never tasted food this good because I would never sell my birthright to my brother. It is every older brother's right to put his little brother in his place, right? Sometimes you just have to do that as an older brother. Anybody else can relate to that? Come on. I would never sell that to my brother. When I got saved at 15, my brother and I, we started actually, we received Bibles from the church and we started reading Genesis. Why not start in the beginning, right? We literally read it together. That was one of the things that we did when we were younger. And when we got to this story of Jacob and Esau, it kind of resonated with us because we're brothers, right? Like, so I started telling Cody, I'd do what I had told him to do. Like, I have the authority or something, right? Like, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And through the years, he has made multiple attempts to, to try to get me to sell my birthright. As a joke, I think. I think it's as a joke. The last time was a few years ago at Christmas. My brother can cook a piece of meat. He's got tri-tip. He, I watch him. He seasons it. He, he, he bakes it. He grills it. It's, it comes out. He's letting it rest. It's perfect. My mouth is watering. I'm like, oh. This, this, he starts cutting it up. Juices are falling out. And I'm not kidding you. He looks me dead in the eyes and says, I'm going to let you eat some of this if you sell me your birthright. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do that. But dad, I want you to remember this for the future. I'm the oldest son, double portion. I just want you to remember that. Just remember that. (laughs) Esau had no idea what he was selling though. Like for us, our birthright, what? Okay. Esau though was, had the opportunity to carry on the promises of God that caused the greatest blessing that humanity has ever seen to come into the world. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. Esau carried the promises of God. He's the firstborn, right? So when he sells that birthright, he then therefore transfers those promises to Jacob, whom Jesus is going to be born by. The scripture says he despises his birthright. But how much more would he despise his birthright knowing that his future many, 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 many great-grandsons would be the, the savior of the world, would be the promised one that would take away the sin of the world, then he'd really despise his birthright. However, this is not the only time this has happened. This has happened before in Scripture. This morning, I want to talk to you about Reuben. 
Reuben is Jacob's oldest son. So Reuben carries the birthright. So transferred to Jacob, then transferred to Reuben. Okay? This morning I want to compare and contrast Reuben and Jesus. So I just want to, I want to, I want to go through some of the stories that, that, that happened in Reuben's life. So he's, he's the authority, and, and if, you, if you don't have really a Hebrew mindset, you, you miss some of this in the Old Testament. Okay, so one of the things that happens is that Jacob has a city that's next to him. And the prince of this city comes, and, and they take advantage of Dinah, Jacob's daughter. Now, that's a nice way to say that they did something absolutely horrific and should die for. But they take advantage of her. And so these, this king and this prince, they come, and they're, they're like, hey, listen, we, we want, I want to marry her. And before they get to Jacob, the sons step in. They're scheming already. And they say, okay, well, we want you to be circumcised. Now, I don't know about you. I would not want to be circumcised as an adult, especially then. That would be something that would be very, very painful. So they're like, okay, not only you guys, but the whole city has to be circumcised. We'll do it. And they go and they do it. And then Levi and Simeon go into the city and they kill everybody. They kill all the men who are in pain because they just performed this procedure, right? Now, this infuriates Jacob. This infuriates him. But why does he get infuriated by Reuben? See, you don't pick up on this unless you know Reuben is the one that has the leadership role. So I could just imagine Reuben sitting there, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go in and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tell them to circumcise them. Then we're going to go in and kill all these dudes. And Reuben's like, ah, okay. If you want to do it, do it. That's fine. And Jacob is infuriated. He says, if, what if somebody hears about it, embarrasses us, and they come in and destroy us? That's Reuben is finding out real quick that sometimes in leadership, you have to make the right decisions even when it goes against everyone else. Right? The next thing that happens, happens very quickly. In fact, it's mentioned just very, very shortly. If you read the story of Jacob, you understand that Rachel, his wife, is absolutely loved by him, right? He loves Rachel to no end, and Rachel dies. And then very quickly it says that Reuben goes and he defiles his father's couch. It's not mentioned again until Genesis 49. Now, in, in a society where where polygamy was common, in ancient societies polygamy was common, this is often a, a thing that would happen when the son would try to overthrow the father. So he goes and he sleeps with one of his father's other wives. Then he goes on, and we know the account of Joseph. Joseph is favored by, 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 by Jacob. And, and they, they take Jacob, his brothers take Jacob, excuse me, Joseph, and they put him in a pit. And for, for a change, Reuben actually does something halfway right. He says, don't kill him. We'll just put him in a pit. And Reuben goes off and they sell him to slavery. And then you see this scene. Reuben comes back and he's like, where's Joseph? And they're like, we sold him to slavery. And Reuben tears his clothes and cries out. to go, cries out. Why? Because Reuben carries first, firstborn rights. 
He is the one in leadership. What happens to his brothers is his, is his responsibility. So we see this play out as a moment of like, anybody ever had to watch their brother and sister and then one of them get hurt and you're in trouble? It's similar, but much, much more serious, right? So they scheme, they decide to tell their father that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Reuben is not making very good decisions, is he? But then judgment day comes, right? Jacob's on, now named Israel's on his deathbed. And, and he's about to hand out the blessing. This is the moment. Maybe Reuben walks into the room as the big shot. Hey, you know what happens now? I'm in charge. You're going to listen to me. You're going to listen to me. You're going to listen to me. I'm going to get more than you. I'm going to get more than you. I'm going to get more than you. I'm the guy now. Dad's about to go away, and I'm going to be the one telling you what to do. Let's see how this goes for Reuben. Genesis 49 verse 3 says this. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength. Started out well, right? Preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. As a joke last night, I read those words to, to uh, Gabriel, but I changed the name to Gabriel. He thought that was pretty cool. Then we get to verse 4. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence. Reuben's in trouble, isn't he? Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. It's intriguing to me that you have two sons here, Reuben and Jesus. And preeminence is the same word used to describe both of them. This would be an absolutely horrific thing to do to your dad, wouldn't it? The, 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 the ancient culture at the time is that you would go and you would sleep with one of his wives as a symbol. You're going to try to dethrone him. Sorry, dad, you're not in control anymore. I'm taking charge. I'm going to be the, the lead of this family. And I may or may not even kill you in the process. That was the cultural thing that would happen. It's not the only time that it's happened in the Bible. You guys remember that when David, his son Absalomon, comes and he tries to overthrow him, what, what's one of the very first things he does? He goes and he sleeps with David's other wives, our concubines. That was a common ancient culture practice. Reuben wanted to have the authority. Reuben wanted to replace his father. Reuben wanted to dethrone dear old dad. He wanted to have control. So what does he do? He sins against his father. He was given the birthright. He would have had it eventually. Everything, was going to be grant, everything that he wanted was going to be granted to him anyway. But he couldn't wait for it. So he did this evil, horrible act. However, we have another son that's preeminent, don't we? And that's Jesus. That was Jesus. And it was God's purpose all along to make, give him preeminency amongst all of God's children. 
In fact, Psalm 89 says this. This is a psalm about Jesus. It's clearly about Jesus. You can't miss it. And it says this. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. It was God's plan all along for Jesus to be the firstborn. It was the plan all along. There, 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 there was nothing anyone could do about it because none of us, not a single one of us, not you, I, Abraham, Esau, Jacob, Isaac, none of us could carry that authority as the firstborn of God because we had to be perfect, spotless. Jesus was the perfect son that none of us could be. Only he was able to provide the inheritance that God wanted to give us. He's the perfect son. At the end of the day, there's only one righteous, one holy enough to be the first son of the first son of God, which is Jesus, the firstborn, to have the inheritance, to have the authority, to have that rank. None of us could have done it. Only him. This is the story of two sons. Reuben was a firstborn. Jesus was a firstborn. Reuben failed. Jesus conquered. Reuben defiled his father's bed. Jesus was found without iniquity. Reuben allowed Joseph to be taken into slavery. Jesus sets the captives free. Reuben allowed his brothers to murder and do horrible acts. Jesus calls us to repent from our sin and turn away from evil. Jesus is every bit the, the firstborn son that Reuben is not. He is perfect, he is holy, and he is the only one that could possibly carry that authority and bring us that inheritance. However, if we're honest with ourselves, let's just be honest. Let's have a, let's have a moment of honesty. We're often more Reuben than we like to admit, aren't we? We fall in that category. We often Reuben it. See what I did there? We often Reuben it, if you will. And we fall into the same traps. We might not do the same things that Reuben did, but we kind of have the same heart behind it, don't we? Our pride gets in the way. We see somebody doing well. And what do we do? We attack them. Bring them down. We throw them into a pit. And we don't like that. Or we try to wrestle control from God over our lives because we don't like the way he's leading it. We tell him, that's, that's my life. I'm going to control it. We have friends or family that are doing something wrong, but we're too afraid to step up and say it. And we all have been guilty of these things. Have we not? We often Reuben it. God has this expectation for us. He has a standard for us to live by, and we fail miserably. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is we have an older brother who can redeem us. We have an older brother that can lead us and, and bring that inheritance. He's the only one that deserves it. So let me read to you what happens. So Reuben loses that firstborn, right? And then 
The next are Levi and Simeon, right? They're the Levi, Simeon are the next two sons. And they lose it also. The, Jacob's like, you guys are, 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 are wicked men, evil men for what you did. Then he gets to Judah. You all know where Jesus came from? The tribe of Judah. He gets to Judah and he says, it says this in verse 8. Now, if you can't see Jesus in these verses, we got to meet and talk. Because this is as clear as it could be. Verse 8, he doesn't even hardly talk about the tribe. He talks about an individual. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Wait a minute. Your hand shall be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. That's interesting language, isn't it? Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Think about that. What is being said there? It's also mentioned a couple other places in Scripture. Jesus will always be on the throne. He is always the king. He will forever be the king. Not the ruler's staff from between, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and he shall be the obedience of the people. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Who do we serve? Jesus. We serve Jesus. That we are obedient to Jesus. Then it goes on to say this in verse 11. Binding his foil to, to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine. And his vesture is in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. You notice we transfer to a person. Like not a tr- necessarily the tribe as a whole, but as a person. Right? And the, 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 the blood of grapes is always in Hebrew history, almost always referred to as actual blood. It's, it's symbolism. Jesus spilt his blood for you and I to be redeemed. We were all like Reuben. All of us. And he made us clean. He's the older brother that we all wish we had. None of us had the perfect older brother until Jesus stepped into that position. Only Jesus could do that. Listen to what the writers of Hebrews says. In Hebrews chapter 9 says this. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made by hands, that is not of his creation, right? Who's the creator God? Jesus, right? So Jesus didn't come by creation. He is the creator. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Worship team can come forward. You have an older brother that redeems you. He redeems you. And I don't know, and this is the message I really felt clearly that the Holy Spirit told me to tell you on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. I don't know your past, but there is no amount of sin that you could have committed that Jesus 
can't redeem. I don't know if there's somebody in the room that is struggling and saying, the Lord could never forgive me of that. The Lord just can't. I, I don't see the Lord being able to forgive me for what I did in that situation. We are all like Reuben. All of us are guilty. We've sinned in secret and we have lied about it just like Reuben did, didn't we? We're all guilty of that. We're like Reuben. We, we have made ourselves an enemy of the Father and we have sinned against him and tried to take control of our own lives. We're like Reuben. We put our own interest above the interest of the family and we, and we make ourselves come first, don't we? I want you to know there's no amount of sin that Jesus can't redeem. I don't know what you've done in your past, how bad it could have been, but Jesus redeems that. He is the older brother that we all wish we had. Imagine this, if you will. Imagine this. I was thinking about this this morning. Imagine if my kids are a little bit older. Maybe we're moving Israel back to his first apartment. Okay, and we're excited as he's getting his own place. He's, he's excited and we're moving boxes in and couches in and, and we're moving in. And Gabriel, who's his older brother, he's the firstborn, says, hey, dad, yeah. You remember that time that Israel hit me? Yeah, yeah. You know, you never punished him for it. He never got any corner time. And I looked at Israel and I said, hey, go to the corner for that. How silly would that be? Could you imagine that? You have an older brother that advocates for you. He doesn't want you to stand guilty before your father. He wants you to be free from sin. Not to sin, but free from sin. And that's a big difference. But you have an older brother that comes before the father and says, Dad, you know, such and such. Remember what I did? I took his punishment. I, I redeemed that situation. I died for, for my younger brother, for my younger sister. I, I bled on a cross and was crucified so that they could be redeemed by my blood and washed clean from their sin. And the father says, forgiven and forgets it. It's never brought up again. And if there's somebody in the room this morning that is dealing with something that is, they're saying to themselves, God could never forgive me for that. That is the, the worst lie the enemy could ever tell you. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. It has been made clean. God forgets about it. He was not bringing it up later. You know, you sit at a, a family Thanksgiving or a Christmas dinner sometimes and everybody starts, well, you remember that one time? That's not happening. God completely forgot it. And so I'm here to tell you, no matter what it was, you, you read about Reuben. Reuben was pretty bad. Reuben was awful. It could be worse than that. Jesus would still forgive you. Jesus would still forgive you. You have to turn to him, believe in his name, be born again, and repent of your sins. And you too can be saved the prayer team wants to come forward, if you want to stand to your feet this morning, we're going to sing this song, Lion of Judah. And this is what I want you to do. I want to encourage you. These people are up here to pray with you. They, 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 you can trust them. You can, you can pray with them. 
I want to encourage you if you are struggling this morning and you are saying, is God really ever going to, why do I always think that God will never forgive me of that? Come pray with these wonderful people. Or as we're going into this song, shout out to God and thank him for being the Lion of Judah, the firstborn of the dead, so that you could be forgiven of what you have done and your sins washed clean this morning. And after this song, you're dismissed. God bless you.